Step with me into episode two of Word Maze. In every episode, I share a few words that caught my eye while reading. Then I'll tell you a bit about the three books I found those words in. And near the end of this word maze episode, I share some advice I've come across on writing fiction and sometimes non-fiction. You can find the web companion to this podcast over at wordmaze.cafe. And if we haven't met before, I'm Pilar Orti. Are you ready? Let's enter the word maze. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Word Maze. I'm Pilar Orti and I'm a bookaholic, by which I mean I'm addicted to browsing through books, buying books, and I always have three or four books on the go. And that's the books I'm reading, but they're also the books I am writing. This show has three parts. First, I share some words I've come across while reading. Then I share a little bit about the books the words came from. And in the third part of the show, I go over some of the advice on writing, mainly writing fiction, but also non-fiction that I have recently come across. So let's get on with the first part of Word Maze. Here we go. I'll open up the vocabulary builder on my Kindle Paperwhite and check out some words that I don't know the exact meaning of or that really catch my eye because I rarely use them or sometimes even those I haven't come across before. And my first word for today is recce. And this is an informal term for reconnaissance and reconnoiter. It's an abbreviation of those two words that started being used in the 1940s. And here's the sentence where it was used. But make a recce outside before they arrive, just to be sure everything is in working order. That was the first one. Here's another one. Ensconce to establish or settle someone in a comfortable, safe place. I really just like the sound of that word, don't you, in sconce. (laughs) And here's how it was used in the first book I'm introducing to you today. However, the director general and his team, known as the private office, were still ensconced in their suite, which included a dining room and a waiting room. And here's another word I'd never come across before, chagrin, which is an annoyance or distress at having failed or been humiliated. And it can also be a verb. If you're chagrined, you're distressed or humiliated. And humiliated is a really interesting word to pronounce. (laughs) Here's the context. He had been working long hours lately, though to her chagrin, it was not on the article he was meant to be writing for essays and criticism. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not giving you much about what the book is like is it, with these quotes. And finally, I have one more word, though I usually only offer you three, but I really like this one, um, though I'm never 100% sure of its meaning when I come across it. And it's mollified, which means to appease the anger or anxiety of someone. As you can see today, the words have a similar emotional connection. Here's the context in the book. But Fane wasn't mollified. Okay, (laughs) I know that context is not that helpful to illuminate you on the meaning of the word if you don't use it already, but maybe the name of the character Fane has rung some bells for those of you who like spy novels, for these four words came from Breaking Cover, the ninth book in the Liz Carlyle series by Stella Remington, and more on that later. Now for the next two books. I only have two words for one and then one word for another, so to make up for the four I had for this first one. The first word is wincyette, 
which is a lightweight napped flannelette used specially for night clothes and undergarments, and it's a British term. Now, for those of you who are not as indoctrinated in the garment vocabulary, a flannelette is a soft cloth made of cotton. I had no idea. I am so um, ignorant when it comes to those kind of terms. So here's the context. Even in the middle of summer, her bedroom never got one, and she needed the benefit of her wincy yet nightdress all year round. The other word I had to look up from this book was cantered, which is a word related to horses. Canter is the pace of a horse or other quadrupled between a trot and a gallop, with not less than one foot on the ground at any time. And here's how the verb form was used. They cantered out of the yard, Jackie's arms flailing as he struggled to control the horse with just a head collar. And I found these two words in the novel The Letter by Catherine Hughes. But before I tell you a bit about that novel, let's move on to the last word. I only have one word from my third book today, and it's atoll. Any ideas? Well, it's a ring-shaped reef, island, or chain of islands formed of coral. As my knowledge of geography or nature stuff is quite limited, I'd never come across this word, so just thought I'd share it with you. And what's more interesting is the book this word comes from, which is actually... It has nothing to do with geography or the sea or plants or anything, or animals for that matter. It's actually a behavioral economics book by one of my favorite writers. And here's the long sentence including the word. Brule had just sold his air freight business and with the proceeds had purchased an atoll in French Polynesia, Blue Lagoon to paradise for himself and his young Tahitian wife. So as you see, it's part of a story to probably to illustrate a, a point, and the book is Predictably Irrational, The Hidden Forces That Shape Our Decisions by Dan Ariely. And Dan Ariely is another one of these academics that writes incredibly easy-to-read books, full of theory supported by research, but mainly full of great storytelling um, from a whole different aspects of life. And in particular, I love his sense of humor and his personal touch as he integrates quite a few of his personal stories into his work. He's actually been specializing in irrationality lately, why we behave in ways that defy logic sometimes. And so the book is well worth a read, uh, Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. And now let me go back to the two fiction books I've mentioned. First off, the spy thriller Breaking Cover. If you like spy novels, then I recommend you pick up any of the Stella Remington novels with Liz Carlyle as protagonist. They're fast, they're pacey, and they probably reflect quite well how the British Secret Service works, as uh, Stella Remington used to be Director General of MI5. Um, yeah, the plot of the novels are all quite different, but I think I've read most of them by now and I can recommend them if you're into spy novels and still in my Kindle or in the cloud of my Amazon account is uh, waiting for me her autobiography. So if you check that one out, let me know how how you how you go. <laughs> how you go? <laughs> let me know how you find it. Wordmaze.cafe is the contact form there. And there you can find the show notes for this episode also. A very different fiction book, so where the second lot of words came from, is The Letter. And don't be put off by the subtitle, The Love Story of the Year, because it's more than that. Yes, it has a love story, but the novel is set in parallel times around World War II and then the 1970s, where a woman discovers a letter in a coat she buys in a charity shop. 
So yeah, there's a woman, she's got her own story in the novel, but she discovers a letter and then the story of that letter starts to unravel. So I really like books that mix two parallel stories. Um, it's got a slight thread of suspense about it as we discover the story and also as the woman's her story in the present as her own difficult relationship with her husband unfolds. Um, it's a bit difficult. I'm trying not to give too much away here. So uh, anyway, I, I think it's worth a read. I really like it. So those are the three books I'm recommending today. It's Breaking Cover by Stella Remington, The Letter by Catherine Hughes, and Dan Ariely's Predictably Irrational. And before we move on to the writing advice that I picked up from a book by Patricia Highsmith, Today's words were recce, ensconce, chagrin, mollified, wincy yet, cantered, atoll. Do you remember their meaning? You can also check out the words individually and you can find the show notes, of course, for this episode. But you can check out the words individually by going to the words and books page of wordmaze.cafe. Now for the writing advice. I'll be pulling out quite a lot of quotes from this book, I think, as we go through the word maze. I think we'll see. It's only episode two. I'm not quite sure I'm going to go with this uh, podcast. But I found this book really inspiring and quite fun to read. I have a novel that's been gestating for I can't really find another word, but gestating. <laughs> Sorry, I have a novel that's been gestating in my mind for a few years now. It started as an idea. What if one morning... A woman wakes up next to her husband and she suddenly realizes he's the man she saw run away from a murder scene when she was 17. It's a bit far-fetched. Maybe, and it's evolved. It's slightly different now. That was the original idea. But my main interest in that is that it has the power of the subconscious as its key theme. And it's got a bit of suspense in it. Without being a whodunit, it's not something about who killed the person that we don't even know who it was um but there is something there because we yeah there is quite a thread of suspense so it's also something that would appeal to me as a reader so I'm exploring it as a writer and almost two years ago now I took part in NaNoWriMo which if if you my dear listener are uh, like writing you've probably heard of it is the National Novel Writing Month where you sign up to the NaNoWriMo website and you commit to writing 50,000 words of fiction in a month I'd never written a novel before. I tried that. I've written plenty of stories, bits and pieces. I wrote poems, plays, but never a novel. And I needed to commit to something like NaNoWriMo in order to find out what the story was. All I knew about it was that I wanted to set the story in London, where I live now, and I've lived for, I don't know, more than, since 1990, and which I love. But the murder would have taken place in Madrid, where I grew up. So, the main character would have that much in common with me. Grew up in Madrid and then moved over to London. And during NaNoWriMo, I discovered a whole load of other characters and I came up with an ending. And I loved the process and would recommend it to anyone. I'm sure this will come back. Um, I'm sure I'll talk about this in the podcast again soon, probably during NaNoWriMo month. Anyway, that's a very long introduction to say that my recommended reading about writing today is all about writing suspense and it comes from that great master or mistress of suspense Patricia Highsmith and a little confession 
as of today, I haven't yet read any of her books, but I've watched plenty of Hitchcock's adaptations of her work to know that she knows what she's talking about. And if you do like her work, then you'll probably enjoy her book twice as much because she talks about her own novels a lot. And the name of the book is Plotting and Writing Suspense Fiction. And in this episode, I want to look at the chapter that talks about that first idea, like the idea I was talking about before, the germ of an idea. Her first sentence confirms what I know and what you all probably know deep down, what we all know deep down. Even if you have been seduced and distracted by the reminders about knowing your audience and writing to market. So here I go, I quote, The first person you should think of pleasing in writing a book is yourself. If you can amuse yourself for the length of time it takes to write the book, the publishers and the readers can and will come later. Well, I particularly like that if you can amuse yourself for the length of time it takes to write the book, which, as some of you may well know, can be years, so that is really important. And in that first chapter, Highsmith also talks about the need to recognize the germs of story ideas by the excitement they produce in us. So plot ideas are those that either grow or stay with us, and those are the ones worth pursuing, or at least worth noting down and keeping safe. And she talks about the conditions for those ideas to emerge. Resting, taking breaks, changing locations, where you are, etc. And I would add, take note of where your best ideas emerge and make sure you put yourself in those situations, places, contexts, whatever, as often as possible. Another important point that the author makes is the influence that others have on us. And I'm going to quote again. Another cause of this lack of ideas is the wrong kind of people around a writer, or sometimes people of any sort. Now, at the risk of making it sound like I'm highlighting the myth of the writer as loner, it's true that some people kill our creativity and that if we don't spend time on our own, we don't give time for our brain to go off on one. We should protect our daydreaming time. Also, noting down your ideas is not new advice, but I have to admit that Although I do jot ideas down, I often forget to go over them, especially if they relate to different projects. I think that going over notes for different projects can help us to get unstuck. And uh, some strange combination can pop up. Or maybe we can borrow the atmosphere from one idea and put it in a different piece of work. Or just one word can spark off all kinds of new images or moods. So if you've been writing for a while, or if you've been putting off writing by reading lots of books on writing, (laughs) guilty, Um, yeah, if you've been uh, writing for a while, you might not find anything extremely new and revelatory in this book, but you will certainly be reminded of the basics, which are really easy to forget about. Let me give you the title of the book again. It's Plotting and Writing Suspense Fiction. And if you do like suspense novels, you will be very, very inspired by all the examples that Patricia Highsmith gives. And I also enjoyed that she comes to it from the point of view of a full-time writer, although she does recognize that not everyone writing can commit to it full-time. In any case, I'll leave you with this simple quote, which I think captures the creative process of a novel. A book is really a long, continuous process, which ideally should be interrupted only by sleep. Remember that you can check out this writing advice also on the writing section of wordmaze.cafe. 
Well, that's all for today. Just a reminder of your host's name. I'm Pilar Orti, and I would love to hear from you. Have you got any words you've discovered lately or any words that you love? Any books you'd like to recommend? Have you come across an inspirational piece of advice on writing lately? Let me know. You can connect with me on Twitter at WordMazePodcast or pop over to wordmaze.cafe and look for the contact form. And while you're there, do check out the About page for a list of my other podcasts and my varied books. Stay curious, enjoy reading and keep writing. <laughs>